Hey there, before we dive into the episode, I want to tell you about a unique opportunity for you and I to work together one-on-one. Right now, I am running a beta coaching program for my updated three-month coaching package, and this is basically the long way to say free coaching in exchange for your feedback. So if you're someone who is struggling with PMS, period pain, with fertility challenges or irregular cycles, then this, my friend, is for you. This could finally be the time for you to understand what is causing your symptoms so they can be a thing of the past. Click on the link in the show notes to learn more and sign up. Welcome to I'm Hormonal. This is a podcast where we talk about how to support our hormone health, our menstrual health, and how to lean into cyclical living. If you're trying to understand the signals that your cycle is sending you, then you're in the right place. I'm Bridget, a functional hormone specialist and menstrual cycle coach, and I'm here to guide you along this journey. Hey out there, welcome back. And if this is your first time listening, then hello to you, and I am so glad that you have found me here. We are here for episode number seven, so I'm Hormonal is still pretty new, pretty fresh, but I started this podcast because I'm really passionate about hormone health, and I've learned a lot about hormone health as I traversed my own Um, you know, trying to figure out what was going on with my body. So here I am. I think that it's important to talk about hormones because we don't often get this sort of information to kind of set us up for success. And I think that that's kind of silly. And I think we should end that today, right now, here. So thanks for tuning in. What we're going to talk about today is estrogen. And so the plan for the next couple of episodes is that I'll go through one hormone at a time and we'll talk through our main sex hormones that are going to come into play and that we want to be aware of when, again, we are considering how to support our hormone balance, but also how to understand and how to interpret what our body's signals should be, uh, well, should be signaling to us. Before we get into the good estrogen stuff, though, two quick housekeeping notes. First, follow me on Instagram at Bridget Walton. I would really love to connect with you over there. And if you have any ideas that you want me to talk about on future episodes, then I would love to hear from you as well. Also, remember that the content I'm sharing with you today is for informational purposes only. It shouldn't be used as a replacement for any sort of one-on-one support from a certified practitioner, or from your healthcare provider. Now that we've got that out of the way, let's get into the good stuff. So estrogen, you've probably heard of it, right? Because it's one of the most well-known or commonly known hormones, especially for women. So we normally just say estrogen, and what we mean by that um, really is actually a group of estrogens. It's kind of an umbrella term. So there, let me just run through the, the couple of types, but first is estradiol, and this is the most common, most potent form of estrogen that we have, and it's the most common during our menstruating years, made in our ovaries. So normally when we say estrogen, this is what we're referring to because oftentimes this is what maybe you would have your 
labs run for the doctor um, because, again, it's the most prominent. The second kind of estrogen that falls under this umbrella is called estrone. This is the type of estrogen that's going to be the most common after menopause, so later in life. And instead of being generated in ovaries, this one is actually made from fat tissue. Third is estriol, which is the most common during pregnancy. And let me just clarify too that at all times in our lives, right, we have a balance of these and that's what it's about, as always, balance. Um, so if you were to, for example, do a Dutch test, right, the dried urine test for comprehensive hormones, then it can show you what is the amount of each of those hormones metabolites to help get you a better picture of what's going on in your body. Last but not least, when it comes to estrogens, we have to remember that we also need to consider estrogen metabolites. So we, our body produces estrogen in any of those three forms that I mentioned. Our estrogen receptors will use those uh, hormones. And then after they're used, basically, right, time to let them go. And in the process of filtering them out and getting rid of them through maybe our digestive system, they can be recycled. All of the cells in our body have estrogen receptors on them. So estrogen is really important for not only our menstrual cycle health, but also for our overall health of our body. And I'll get to that in just a second. But the main thing that you want to know about estrogen is that it stimulates growth. So first I'll talk about how that stimulates growth in our menstrual cycle, but we'll talk about how estrogen fluctuates throughout your cycle and again, the benefits of estrogen outside of your cycle. I'll go through what happens when estrogen is high, what happens when estrogen is low, and then, as always, we'll talk a little bit about how you can support a healthy hormone balance. When it comes to estrogen's role in the menstrual cycle, there are three main things that it works on. The first is that it helps to grow follicles. So it's going to help to grow the follicles on your ovaries that will eventually, hopefully, be ovulating and, and spitting out that egg. In addition to this, estrogen is going to stimulate fertile mucus. So ahead of ovulation, you might notice that you have a different type of cervical mucus. It'll change throughout the month according to how much estrogen you have or the balance with other hormones. But there's a certain type of mucus that you produce in the days before ovulation that basically, you know, it's like the super highway for sperm to get up to the egg. And that's what estrogen is uh, stimulating the production of. Third, but definitely not least, as a growth hormone, estrogen is helping to make sure that your endometrial lining is growing and it's nice and thick so that in the event of a pregnancy or conception, then there's like a nice, cozy, homey endometrial lining for the embryo to implant in and to provide nutrients throughout the pregnancy. So when we look at the whole month and your whole cycle, how does estrogen fluctuate throughout the cycle? Well, it's going to start out low and really on day three is going to be the lowest that it will be throughout your cycle. So low on your period, right? Because the first day of your full bleed is day one of your cycle. 
And then it's going to grow higher and higher until about four days before ovulation. So if you have a 28-day cycle, then this would be on about day 10. And then it's going to go down after ovulation before it grows higher again in kind of the middle of your luteal phase there, which could be around day 21. So again, quickly, estrogen starts low at the beginning of your cycle. It's going to climb up to its highest point just a couple of days before ovulation. Once you ovulate, it'll go back down and then climb back up higher for another sort of peak in the middle of your luteal phase. And then it'll go back down until you start your period. Then the cycle starts again, of course. I've seen estrogen referred to as like the Beyonce of your hormones, right? Because it really helps you to feel that confidence and radiance and attractiveness. Um, and it'll help you to communicate better and be more outgoing. And so that is why around the center of your cycle, around that time when you are fertile, that you are going to be experiencing those sorts of emotions or you know, noticing that your skin is brighter or glowing, that sort of thing. It's all uh, kind of thanks to estrogen. And estrogen also has some of the following benefits, which are for our bone health or our bone density. It's also going to help out your muscle health. Third, when it comes to brain health, estrogen works by increasing your cerebral blood flow and it'll increase neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine. Last but not least, it protects against oxidative damage in your brain. And all of this really leads to a mental and emotional you know, impact and your ability to focus and your ability to be mentally resilient. So thank you, estrogen. Um, in addition, though, it has benefits for your heart, for sleep, because increased serotonin, it means that there will be more melatonin production because those two hormones are related. Estrogen is good for your skin, helps to maintain moisture, and helps to improve collagen production. I've got three more. The first is increasing sensitivity to insulin, and this is going to help to prevent insulin resistance. So, this is why it's important to think about, you know, depending on which part of your cycle you're in, when insulin is higher, then your body is going to have a better response to the, you know, Swedish fish or Twizzlers or pineapple, whatever kind of high sugar, high glycemic index food that you're eating. Whereas at other points in your cycle when estrogen is low, so maybe during your bleed or just after ovulation, when it's lower, your body is going to experience more of a blood sugar spike than it might otherwise because you don't have that increased sensitivity to insulin. In the short term, this is going to help you experience a more sustained energy throughout your day and all of the other benefits of having a stable blood sugar. But in the long term, that's going to, of course, be a positive influence when it comes to preventing diabetes or other disease or conditions that are driven primarily by insulin resistance. The last two notes I have here is that one, estrogen can play a role in cancer. So breast cancer, ovarian cancer, endometrial cancer specifically, because again, it's a growth hormone. So that's something to consider if you 
you know, when we're looking at long-term elevated levels of estrogen. And it can also play a role in autoimmune disease as well. On the contrary, or on the flip side, long-term low estrogen can be correlated with osteoporosis or brain degeneration. So this is all about that balance, as always, and not being at one of either extremes. Let's dig into that a little bit more, and we'll talk first about what happens when estrogen is high, because this is a lot more common than estrogen being too low. And why can this happen? Well, sometimes estrogen is higher because there's a higher production of estrogen by the ovaries and or there's an improper metabolism or detoxification. So what that means is maybe your ovaries are just pumping out more estrogen than you might need, but if you are not having regular bowel movements and estrogen is being recycled, those estrogen metabolites are getting reabsorbed, then that could also cause an imbalance. Excess body fat can also lead to aromatization, which is another way that the body makes estrogen. It's also worth mentioning that alcohol, drug, or other toxins can lead to increased blood estrogen because when you're consuming those, well, consuming or just being exposed to those toxins, that's going to ask your liver to focus on getting those out of your blood system first. And so that means that it's not really prioritizing uh, detoxifying and eliminating the estrogen that it needs to. So that can cause imbalance and cause increased estrogen levels. And another sort of honorable mention is that there will just maybe be sometimes when you're more sensitive to estrogen. And like if you are having inflammation or if you're deficient in iodine, for example, then you'll be more sensitive to estrogen. Meaning maybe when you do labs, you have the same level, but you're experiencing heavier periods or heavier bleeding and things like that. So these are some of the things that might lead to increased estrogen, but you may not notice that these things are happening, right? Because it's not something that you feel. However, right, let's talk through a couple things that you can feel and that you would notice. And the main thing that menstruators notice are heavy periods, breast tenderness, PMS, and fibroids. So those are the four most common. If you're having, yeah, just tough cramps, like that's what will kind of clue you in to know that you have higher estrogen. If you're noticing that you have that kind of fertile or slippery cervical mucus in your luteal phase, like around that day 21 that I mentioned when estrogen is high again, then that might mean that you have a little bit more estrogen than would be considered balanced because it's high enough that you're making the fertile mucus essentially, right? It's a natural increase, but at that time of the at that time in your cycle, progesterone should be you know, should also be high and be opposing it, which is what would present you and rather prevent you from showing the same symptoms. One last note for how you might know that you have or how you might suspect that you have higher levels of estrogen is if you're having more pain with your periods or maybe just more period poops too, right? When, when you have higher levels of estrogen and lower levels of progesterone, 
that can lead to your body producing more prostaglandins. And prostaglandins mean maybe more pain, and that can affect the other areas right down in your pelvic region, which is why we get period poop sometimes. Let's talk about low estrogen. And first, what are some reasons why estrogen might be low? A couple of things. If you smoke, that could contribute to low estrogen. Also, under-eating, under-nourishing can result in lower estrogen. And then if you're somebody who eats a lot of phytoestrogens or a lot of soy, then that can also lead to a bit lower estrogen levels. And again, this is less common than having high estrogen. But how might you know if you have low estrogen? Well, it might lead to vaginal dryness. Um, Also, if you're suspecting that you're not ovulating, then that would be the main thing to clue you in that you have low estrogen. The reason for this is because if estrogen isn't getting high enough, then it's not essentially setting off these other triggers for you to ovulate. And that would mean that you're not producing progesterone, which we'll talk more about progesterone next week, so this will make more sense. But overall, if you're not if you're not ovulating, then one of the main causes for that is going to be low estrogen. The good news is there are so many things that you can do to support your estrogen balance, just like all your other hormones. So you've got options. Don't be stressed. If you've noticed or if anything that I've talked about today um, kind of resonates with you, then it's worth doing a little bit more investigating, maybe. And feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions, if you want to talk through anything. Again, you can find me on Instagram at Bridget Walton. If you're looking for ways to support your hormone balance, then you can always try seed cycling. You can also focus on these kind of three tenets that I've mentioned over my previous few episodes if you've listened in on those, but reducing stress, reducing toxins or toxin exposure, and supporting your gut health is going to help with overall hormone balance. Remember that overall Like, why do we care about menstrual cycle health other than our own, you know, maybe comfort or procreation desires? But our menstrual cycle health is a reflection of our overall health, right? Our our cyclical health is the fifth vital sign. Maybe you've seen that before. But, you know, in addition to our, our body temperature, our heart rate, those things. So it's super important. And when there's, when we're having low estrogen or when we're having whatever it is that's going on. Um, It's important to find out what is the root cause behind that um, instead of just, you know, correcting the symptoms. As you're thinking about these things, just be curious about what's the root cause? How can I address that instead of just putting a band-aid on it? The main takeaway there is that supporting our overall health is also going to support healthy estrogen levels. For your practical tip today, I want you to try a different food this week. I'm talking about fruits and vegetables. This will help with your gut microbiome and your diversity of, well, your your microbiome diversity, but try one new fruit, one new vegetable that you don't normally have. Go for organic if you can, or otherwise um, keep in mind what is on the, you know, dirty dozen and clean 15 lists for your area. 
All right, friends, I hope that this has been helpful. I hope that this has been just a quick, easy listen to get you more familiar with estrogen, what its role is in your body, but also what its role is in the menstrual cycle and how it fluctuates throughout the month. We talked about some of the signs of high estrogen as well as low estrogen. Give me a shout if there's if you have any questions about what we talked about today, if I can clarify anything. And next week, we'll be back to talk about progesterone. Send this podcast to a friend who's interested in their hormone health, who may want to learn along with us. I would appreciate it so much and thank you in advance. Thank you guys for listening. I hope that you have a great week and we'll see you here next time. So again, starting from the front, starting from the front. the top the bottom starting from left okay buddy i just need you to leave sorry my girl let's go thank you